Now we've been asking you to memorize what is God. As I've said many times, I hope you have taken heed. If you look at the Westminster Shorter Catechism, right, they will explain what is God and the verses from the Bible that supports this very useful definition. Now we can never define God completely, but this is a very good start. So don't think that I memorized this, I've known the definition well. This is just, I won't even say scratching the surface of knowing God. This is really very, very basic. And every time we remember, so every time you feel that, Lord, I am, I am sad, I am fearful, I am proud, I have this sin, that sin, go to God kneel in prayer and just utter this word, Lord, thou who art a spirit, and so on and so on. And then you will find that it changes your heart. Many who have been troubled in life, many who have been fearful, every time they think about God, their hearts are comforted. Every time we want to sin and we recite in our hearts what is God, we also Tell ourselves, I better not sin. All right? So that is why we memorize this. It's very useful. Very useful in your life. Now let us try. God is a spirit. Infinite. Eternal. And unchangeable. In his being. Wisdom. Power. Holiness. Justice. Goodness. And truth. Now, every time you think God is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in His being, wisdom, and power, you're talking about His omni, 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 uh, His omnipower, His all-powerful, all right? You're talking about His wisdom, His omniscient, being is His omnipresent, all right? Then His power, His omni, oh, I'm drawing a blank, all right? His being, His all-powerful, all right? Omnipotent, potent is power. So, when you think of all this, it gives you both warning, warning, or let's start with, it gives you encouragement, knowing that God is, is all-knowing. God knows the future, God knows um, the present, God knows what is best. Then when you pray, you know that God is, God's answer will always be the best. He's all-wise. And then when you think, why has this happened to me? Then you remember God is omnipotent. It's not that God cannot stop it, but God in His wisdom allowed it. Can God change the people's heart? Yes, He can also. So it encourages you. But at the same time, there is warning. There is warning. God sees your very heart. However clever you think, no, you know, God, God cannot, cannot punish me. I'm so clever. I, I have all the connections. You know, I'm so rich. I have everything. I'm so, I, I have so much experience. You know, God can't do anything. God is omnipotent. You'll be surprised how God will bring you down. Don't sin. Now, when we think of all this, these are, we come to his next one, eternal, all right? Let's come to your BBK books. Point number four, God is eternal. Now, God is eternal. God has no beginning, God has no end. Now, how can you explain that? We are unable to grasp that because 
We are, his, we are created, His creatures. We are created to live in time and space. That is why we cannot understand the infiniteness and eternality of God. But God has no beginning. God has no ending. Now again, that must also comfort the Christian. Now knowing that God is eternal, He always existed and He will always exist. There is no such thing as, well, everything will end and, and we, will, we will just end up as, as nothing, gone. No, there is an eternity that God promises that we will live with Him. He's outside time and space. Now, when we think of God is eternal, it must, it must cause our hearts to really be filled with wonder. What is eternal? You can't even imagine that. fills us with awe when we think of God. God is eternal. Now, this is... This is coupled, all right? This is coupled closely with, with, question, uh, with point number five. God is unchangeable, all right? So when you think God is eternal in all these characteristics, then you think God is unchangeable. Now, God says, I'm God, I change not. Now, how does God being unchangeable comfort the Christian? Well, first and foremost, our salvation. Think about this. Our salvation. Because God is unchangeable, He does not change His mind about saving you and I. Now, God is unchangeable. It also means that everything that He promises in His Word, He will not fail. He will not change His mind. When the Bible says God repented, every time you read God repented, it is not God changed His mind. The word repent also means it grieves God's heart. It repented God. So whenever you say God repent, you must not think, oh, God say, oh, oh, oh this happened, so uh, I really regret. Let me change my mind. No. When it's applied to the eternal God, the unchangeable God, then the meaning is not that he changed his mind. Right? So that word has a range of meaning. Then the word by itself has no meaning, as you always know, unless understood in the context. So unchangeable when, uh, when repents, when refers to God, simply means his heart was very grieved. We, are, we learn in the Bible, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. God can be grieved. All right? So now then, God is unchangeable. Now it tells us that this doctrine today, that people keep saying, you know the Old Testament God, he is the God of wrath. Many punishments. You don't do this, I punish you. You don't do that, I punish you. All right? You don't obey the Ten Commandments, I will deal with you. So God is a God of wrath. But you know, in the New Testament, God is now the God of love. He's not like the Old Testament God. Now, is it true, this doctrine? That is why many say, well, you know, all these stories in the Old Testament, just ignore it. Hyper grace. You don't need to repent anymore because God is love. Because God is love. Now, when you don't understand the doctrine of God is unchangeable, and you think now God is just love, He has changed. Then you don't need to repent because God's love is so infinite. 
Whatever you do, he's, he's not going to do anything. He has forgiven you already. Just continue in sin. It's okay, love means God wants you to have what you have. He, he realized that in the past, now there's a problem with dispensationalism. He realized that in his past, you know, this way don't work with men. You know, punishing them doesn't work with them. So, so let me change. Let me now be the God of love. You see, love will motivate you. And in fact, love, I may as well give you everything since Jesus died for you already. So understand this doctrine of God is unchangeable means that while God is the God that is holy in the Old Testament, He is still the same holy God in the New Testament. Please don't think that God was not loving in the Old Testament. You see more stories and accounts of God's long-suffering, God's kindness to the Old Testament people. Then in the New Testament, God was also infinitely loving to them. So please do not fall into this thinking, young people. You think that God has changed. God now deals with me differently. He is very loving. He will not chastise me. That's why even today, parenting has changed. Well, if God is now a God of love, then I will just be very loving. Everything my child wants, whether it's sinful or not, just give it to them. Don't punish them. Don't train them. Let them be whatever they want because God is love. So I must be like God. All right, so these are errors. Errors. God is unchangeable. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So while it encourages us, it warns us. It warns us. Now, this thing about God is unchangeable. There is sometimes the challenge. But if God is unchangeable, well, Jesus Christ became man. He changed. And after Jesus Christ became man, Jesus Christ remained in the form of man. He is no longer a spirit, right? Because for eternity, we will worship Jesus who has his glorified body, uh, uh, actual body corporal body. So Jesus has changed. How do you answer that? Now, God is a spirit. He's no longer a spirit. That is why this doctrine of God is 100% man, 100% God is very important. God took on the form of man. Now, he is still the infinite, indescribable God. No change. Spirit doesn't simply mean you can't see him. Spirit means you can't define Humans can't come up with our own definition of God. Only God gives us and reveals to us who He is. So God is a spirit that has not changed. Now also remember, unchangeable refers to God's attributes, refers to God's character. God is a spirit, refers to His infiniteness that man can, 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 can put definition around Him. It is not, well, now he has changed. His character did not change when he took on the form of man. That is why he's perfect man. Now also that God changes not. There is also this error that we must not fall into. We say God changed not because the charismatics, for example, they say, you know, God does not change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. So they say that because God performed miracles in the past, because God, uh, because people, he used men to perform miracles in the past, 
He talked to them in dreams and vision in the past because God does not change. So in the New Testament, all these things must continue. There's no change. When we say God does not change, it refers to His attributes. It does not mean that He doesn't deal with, He cannot deal with men any differently. Please know that. God can change the way He deals with men, but with the same characteristic, same principles of holiness, justice, goodness, and truth, no change there. But He used different means. He made very clear in the New Testament that tongue shall cease, that all these signs and miracles, they will cease. In fact, those signs and miracles that continue like the Old Testament, they are false in the, in the end times. Don't be fooled by them, God says. Because that period, that epoch is over. God now deals with men differently, but with the same attributes, okay? So, don't fall into that error and say, yeah, since they say God does, since we say God does not change, then we must, must say that all these things must continue. Even in the Old Testament, God dealt with his people in different ways. We, cannot, we can't confine God in dealing with us in one way. Now, truly, that because that God does not change, we can have a his attributes does not change. The Christian have much comfort, much encouragement to live our lives on earth. He may not deal with, he may not help you through miracles and all that, but he's, same, he's the same all-wise God. He's same, the same all-powerful God. He's the same omnipresent God. The same. But it also means he's the same God that sees our sins. He's the same God that knows everything that goes on in our hearts and mind, our intentions, our motives. He's the same God. Now, then it is also closed. Now, let's, let's see here. Somehow always misplaced the marker. Now, if you look up here, then you know that God is unchangeable. Now, this up to point number five, these are called the non-communicable attributes of God, all right? The non-communicable non attributes of God. What does it mean? It means it is not communicated to men. When we say, be like Christ, be like the image of Christ, be conformed to the image of Christ, no one is asking us to be infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in, in, in our omnipotent, omnipresence, and all that. All right? Omniscience. We are not saying that. These, these are not for men. We are not God. Now, then we move now to the communicable attributes. Say, so be, be like Christ. Be Christ-like. I want to be Christ-like. This is what we are talking about. Holiness in holiness, in justice, in goodness, and truth. Be like Christ. Then point number six, God is holy. God is holy. Now let's turn to 1 Peter 1.16. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16.
Actually, let's read verse 14, 14 to, 16, 14 to 16 together, reading. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, when God says, Be ye holy, for I am holy, please don't think this is a New Testament verse. This is quoted from the book of Leviticus. The book of Leviticus, you just write down 11.44. Now, it begins from the Old Testament. God says, I want you to be holy. Why? Because that is my characteristics. If you're my child, then you bear my characteristics. Holiness is something that the Christian must bear. Be holy because I am holy. Because he has this attribute. Now when we say, what does it mean God is holy? He is absolutely pure. Well, we can't be absolutely pure in this life. But we must always strive for holiness by His grace, by His strength. There is no such thing as, as you know, after salvation, I can live my sinful life. I can continue in sin because God will forgive me anyway. If you think like that, you're probably not saved. You have believed in the false gospel. He's absolutely pure. Now, knowing that God is absolutely pure, then we must think of Him rightly. It means that, now, whatever God does in the Bible... And here where is where it is important when you memorize. He is holy. He is infinitely holy. He is eternally holy. He is unchangeably holy. Holy means God cannot and God does not commit any sin. That is why He is infinitely pure, totally sinless. Now, once you memorize that, do you know how it helps you in your Bible reading? How does it help you in your Bible reading? Maybe I'll ask you. Um, Thomas, when you memorize, what's the value of memorizing God is holy? Because you say, be holy because I am holy. God is holy. Then you read the Bible and you read something that, oh, how come God does that? How does it help you remembering that God is infinitely holy? You understand my question? that God is infinitely holy. Because recently, um, a visitor asked me, you know, how can God do that? Very good. Well, God is just, we'll study after. God is holy means He's absolutely pure. Means He cannot sin. Means anything that you read in the Bible when we cannot understand and we say, looks like this is quite bad, right, what God did? Now, because we don't study the, the attributes of God and God says, I am holy, I am absolutely pure, we doubt God. So many modern Christians today, they profess themselves to be Christian and they say, you know, God, God should not do this. This is sinful. So this part of the Bible, I think, was added by man. It's wrong. Delete it, ignore it. Preachers do not preach it. Say, you know, uh, uh, or they will say, a, a love, now we have a loving God. So God does not do these things anymore. Punishment and all that. Send people to hell. 
eventually it lead to. Now, because God is loving, God has changed. Yes, in the Old Testament, God sent people to hell. In the New Testament, God has changed. He does not send people to hell anymore. But here God says, be holy, I am for I am holy. The Apostle James, quote, uh, Apostle Peter quoted the Old Testament to say God is still the same pure holy God. And also to remind us, God never does anything sinful. So you read and say, Lord, because I remember you're infinite and holy, I don't understand this part, but because I know you cannot sin, whatever is written there is not sinful. Always remember that. The moment God sins, he is not God. God cannot sin. It's impossible for God to sin. All right, so someone say, well, you know, God, yeah, is God omnipotent? No. We had someone who attended our church for a long time and eventually he read all this kind of rubbish on the internet and he has left the faith. He has left the faith. Won't come to study, BBK, won't understand all these things. No, i I rather read all these things on the internet myself. I'm, I'm very clever. I can understand all these things. Church, don't need to come to church. I can study these things myself. He read and read and read and one website say, God is not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. Satan is all-powerful because the Bible says God cannot sin. But you know what? Satan can sin. That's how twisted it is. He came to church and said, Pastor, you're wrong. God, God is not omnipotent. Only Satan is. So I don't believe in this God anymore. Foolishness. So I ask him, can Satan don't sin? Can Satan don't sin? Satan cannot not sin. He has, he's powerless to be holy, to be pure, just like us after the fall. Can you be 100% pure and holy in every single doctrine all the time? We cannot. We have no power to do that. Unable. All right? So God is unchangeable. He is pure. Now, the next one is he, he, he hates sin because he's pure. He hates sin. His eyes are purer than to behold sin. Now, if God is like that, then we must realize, God says, well, if his attribute is his holy, then I must be holy. I must be holy. I cannot sin. I must not even look at sin. I must not even think about sinful things. Because God is holy, I must be like him as a child of God. He is holy. I must be like him. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, but if you are not a, a safe child of God, you can come and attend, and attend church, Bible studies, BBK, but know deep in your heart, are you truly saved? Because God hates sin. God will send you to hell if you do not turn to Him in repentance, in humility, and acknowledge he is holy, he knows what is in your heart, please be very honest. Doesn't mean you've been in church for a long time, doesn't mean you grew up in a Christian family, you know all the Bible um, stories and principles, you are saved. The question is, do you still look at sin like it's nothing? I will commit it as long as no one knows. Or you may even think, I think this whole thing is false, it's fake. I'm just coming because I don't have a choice. Sunday, I'm told to come. Weekdays, I'm told to come. 
this God is, is, is fake. It's not non-existent. I'll just pretend until, until, until I die. There are people who are like that. At their deathbed, you talk to them. They say, you know, actually, I go to church just, just because it's another religion. There are people who are like that. Or I only don't sin as long as I'm not caught. Now, all these are signs that you do not believe that God is omniscient. You do not believe that God hates sin. Okay, so please check your heart. Please check your heart. Now then, God is just. The next attribute, like I say, these are very brief. BBK is just to introduce the concepts to you. You keep studying about God, right? Now, God is just. What does it mean? God is just. God, all that God does is right and fair, right? You go back and read Psalm 119137. So whenever you think, this is unfair, life is unfair. Why is this, why did God allow this in my life? Unfair. You see, when people do not study about God, they do not read the Bible, they do not study um, deeply about God, they will say, if God is so unfair to me in life, what is the point of serving Him? What is the point of believing in Him? Now, but we must submit to the fact that we are, we are very finite. God is infinite, infinite in His justice. God is never unfair. Now, but then this doctrine teaches us several things. He never over or under punishes any sinner or any sin. God is fair. God is fair. Now, because some people say, well, if God is just, how is it that he sent people to hell? You know, my grandfather or my, my relative or my parent or my sister, my brother, my friend, they are so kind, you know, so, so good. In fact, I think they are even better than many Christians. So God is not fair. How can God send this person to hell? Just because the person said, I don't believe in Jesus. I believe in myself. How can God send someone to hell for that? Such a good person. God is not just. Now, how would you answer that? Uh, maybe I'll ask uh, Jonathan. How do you answer that? Say again. There is the other opposite. That men are already sinners. They are destined for hell. Alright? And God actually come to save them. He's, he's very fair. He offer salvation to all. But men would reject it. Right? Yes, that's one way. To understand it now just just what is just because we do not submit to an infinitely wise God the infinitely wise God the infinitely um, supreme God he sets the, the 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 standard of what is just now some of us we say you know I got fined for driving at 65 kilometers per hour in a 60 in a 60 zone so unfair so unjust, I got fined. Why must it be 60? In the country I come from, it was 70. Why must it be 60? Not just. You see, men create our own standard of justice. When we remember God is an infinitely 
wise and he is a holy God. He never sets any standard that is unjust. Then we must submit to that standard. That if God says just one lie, well, that's, with one lie in our lifetime in, at one point, that standard is sin. Sin deserves just one sin. Once deserves eternal judgment. God is just. He never overpunishes. We cannot say we set our own standard and say God has overpunished. God's standard is the standard. Now, but it also reminds us, it also reminds us of this principle. Now, it helps us in our Christian living. Do not take revenge. Do not take things into your own hand. Now, God says, I am a just God. Don't take vengeance. Vengeance belongs to me because men are unjust. We will punish according to our own standards. But God says, leave it to me. Vengeance belongs to me. All right, so that is the principle of God is a just God. Leave it to God. Bring it to God. God is just. Now again, I say here, for the Christian who, for the professing Christian, well, who thinks that, well, you know, I am, I'm a just person. I'm a good person. God should not send me to hell. Now think very carefully. Think very carefully. It is not your standard. It is God's standard. God is just. God is just. Right? So every time you go to work, you go to school, and you find this is so unfair to me, just remember, bring it to God. Let God deal with it. All right? You do what is human responsibility, not, not to avenge yourself. Whatever is needed, you can do. But don't, take, don't ever be vengeful. Now, in fact, God warns. You take revenge. You are an unjust person by nature. You do the wrong thing, I will also, because I'm just, I will also deal with you. All right? So learn that. Learn that. Now, so God is just. God is just. Life, whatever happens to you, you say is unfair. Know that God is infinitely wise. He has allowed things for a reason. Accept God's will, God's way. Okay? So, now, what is right and what is wrong, God is just. Please use God's standard. Please use God's standard. The Christian today is influenced by the world's standard. So when we read the Bible, we read the Bible from God's standards. So we say, you know, this is not very fair. Um, can, I, can, can we change this in the Bible? This seems more fair or fairer. Like I was explaining to someone, you know, the world's standards keep changing. What is just, what is fair, keeps changing. Take yourself just 10, 20 years back. Something is unfair today is fair. Something that back then was not fair today is fair. And the other way around as well. The world keeps changing. The Christian must always turn to the standards of God. All right? God is just. Be, and the last thing is be a just person. Be a just person. Now, let us 
Let us turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Be a just person. Actually, this one is mainly a reminder of what we read earlier on. All right, let's read 17 to 12. Recompense to no man evil. All right, Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. If therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, when we remember all these attributes of God, then we say, then I must respond and know how to act. Every time you memorize these verses, uh, this definition of God, when you're in that situation, you just recite this. In fact, someone, a young person said many years ago, you know, after I memorize this, every time I'm fearful, every time I want to sin, every time I'm angry, I just recite this definition of God in my heart. And as I think through every attribute, I change. I change my responses. I change my responses. Knowing God is, is very important and very useful. All right? Now, it will help us to live differently. Now then, we move to the next one. All right, we move to the next one. God is love. God is love. Now, what is, what is this to remind us? Now, God says, oh, before I forget, yeah. Okay, God is love. God loves all sinners. God loves all. He has given His only begotten Son to die for men. His love is unconditional and sacrificial love. Now, there is one thing that man cannot, cannot um, put together. They say if God is holy and God is just, then in the New Testament, God says, I die for you and I save you. And it cannot connect. So either God is holy, God is just, and He will take vengeance and He will, he will punish sin, or God is love and He doesn't anymore. So they say it contradicts each other. So God must have changed. God must have changed. Now how do you answer that? How do you answer that? Now there is no contradiction. When God says, I am love and I will forgive you, Please know, God sent His only begotten Son to Jesus Christ to die for men. For what? To satisfy condition number six and seven. Six and seven is God is holy. God is just. Now, in order for sins to be forgiven, and He is holy and He's just, holy means He will punish sin. He's just, He will definitely have to execute justly. You're a sinner, then you have to end up in hell forever. That is, that is the holy law of God. Now, how can it meet? How can it be possible? 
Now the answer is this. The reason why Jesus Christ must die on the cross is because God is just. Sin must be punished. God punished our sins in the infinitely pure God, His Son. Justice is satisfied. When Jesus said, it is finished, what is He saying, it is finished? He's saying, the payment for sin, for your sin and my sin, is the work is completely finished. God cannot, because God is just, He cannot ask you and I to pay for something that Jesus Christ has paid for and then we say, I ask the Lord Jesus, yes, be my saviour. In other words, be the person that pays for my sins. I'm willing, I'm humble. I know I cannot pay for my sin. And we receive that gift from God, the payment that he paid for us, or you can reject it. So God's justice is shown on the cross, or you can reject it. You say, God, I want to be the one that pay for my sins myself. I don't want Jesus to pay for my sins. Then God says, I'm a just God. Well, you don't want it. Then it still needs to be executed, but you are now executed on you because you rejected the work of my son. All right, so God is just in that sense. And also remember, God is just. Now, it took Jesus Christ. It took Jesus Christ to, to bear your sins to bear your sins. Jesus Christ is not a third party. Please remember that. Jesus Christ is God. You sin against God. And for God to forgive you justly means he, someone, has to take the, take the loss. Jesus Christ took, took it, took the loss himself, upon himself. So God is love, yes. It's just like you borrow one million dollars from someone, you owe him. You cannot repay it. Now, for the person to say, well, I forgive you, what does it mean? He take the loss of one million, all right? He take the loss. There is still a loss. There is a justice. So when you understand salvation, you have to understand it that way. That is why we must be eternally grateful to Christ. God is just. Now then the next one, all right? Over here. God is love. Never doubt God's love. Now if you look at this definition, God is infinite in His goodness. His goodness, His love, infinite. Okay? So please remember, God is infinite in His goodness. Never doubt it. Whatever happens in your life, you may not understand it yet. You may even think it is not good. But please know, you may even think, God, you're not fair. God is infinitely just. Not only that, he's infinitely good. Not only that, he, not only that he's unchangeable in his goodness towards you. Never doubt that. Because sometimes when people go through a very difficult time, they begin to doubt. Or they may have committed terrible sin. And they are true believer. They think maybe God has forever put them aside, won't forgive them. No, God is infinite in His goodness. If we confess our sins, so please don't think 
God is infinite in goodness. I don't need to confess. I don't need to repent. You continue in that, please remember, God is also eternal and unchangeable in his justice. He will also deal with his own children. Do not think that I'm God's child. I can do anything. God is infinite in his goodness. Remember, God is infinite in his justice also. He will deal with you. Now then, remember all this is what we mean by Christ's likeness. God is infinite in his truth. God's truth is always true. All right, infinite. Never doubt God's word. Never doubt God's wisdom in his word. Every time you think, I think this is better, but God's word says otherwise. Know that God is infinite in his truth. He's never wrong. Now, last one. God is a consuming fire. Deuteronomy, uh, Hebrews 12, 29. Let's turn to Hebrews 12, 29, and then we close. Hebrews 12, 29. Hebrews 12:29. Okay, let's read 25 first. 25 reading. See that you refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, if you are not, if still heaven asked Jesus Christ to be our saviour, you are not saved. Remember, God is all these things. How can you escape? You know, if you are a believer. Now, let us, let us also remember, you keep going on in sin. God will chastise you. If you repent, God will forgive. Some, there may be consequences of sin that remains. 28, reading, Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. The Bible tells us our God is a consuming fire. Serve Him reverently. Serve Him with godly fear. Serve Him acceptably. Walk in your life like that because it's a consuming fire. Do not look at God and say, and say God is my daddy. God is my daddy. Like as if he's the earthly father, imperfect, will not chastise you. God says, I am your father, but I am a consuming fire. Many Christians have suffered because they think that God has changed. They don't remember God's attributes. Let us turn to God in prayer.